from deep inside your audio device of choice. Choice. It's all about choice. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached certainly one tipping point in the whole impeachment thing. Though I don't mean the onset of uh, public hearings which start this week. To the delight of the Republicans who were criticizing it for being private, oh no. No, they don't want it to be public. Anyway, yes, not that. But the I think the final nail in the coffin of the issue of whether in asking for a favor on the notorious July phone call, President, <laughs> President Trump uh, asking... Ukrainian President Zelensky for a favor, whether and and the favor being investigating Joe and Hunter Biden um, because Zelensky wanted, really wanted a visit at the White House and really wanted military aid, whether that was a quid pro quo. We have now uh, the the first line of defense was there was no quid pro quo. The second line of defense was Sure, it's a quid pro quo, but sometimes quid pro quos are good. That was from, uh, among others, Senator John, not the one you're thinking of, Kennedy from Louisiana. But then came the final nail in the quid pro quaffin from who else? Lindsey Graham, uh, a fervent opponent of President <laughs> President Trump until he was elected. At which point something something clicked deep inside. So uh, now he's uh, again, once again, slamming the impeachment inquiry. But here's what he now says this week: the White House policy towards Ukraine was so incoherent that the administration could not have formed a quid pro quo, even if it tried. What I can tell you, this is the quote, I can t- what I can tell you about the Trump policy toward Ukraine, it was incoherent. It depends on who you talk to. They seem to be incapable of forming a quid pro quo, says Lindsey Graham. I hope at the end of that day, when he issued that comment, when he stopped by the White House, they gave, gave him either a treat or a chew toy, because that is, that's not just politician loyal. That's schnauzer loyal. Sorry, I, excuse me. That's Schnoodle Loyal. Hello, welcome to the show. Well, my friends, the time has come To raise the roof and have some fun Throw away the work to be done Let the music play on Everybody sing and everybody dance
people dancing all in the street. You see the rhythm in their feet. Life is good, good, wild and sweet. Let the music play on and on and on and on. Feel it in your heart and feel it in your soul. Let the music take control. We're gonna do it. Party, gamble, fiesta. Oh, my God. 
from New Orleans, Louisiana, where there's still, I, I come by here every week I'm doing the show here in town, and ever since the thing, the thing in 2005, there have been cranes uh, just uh, the other way from the parking lot where I park because I drive here. I, I, have to, I don't have to explain all that. Um, and that's where one of the three canals whose flood walls failed uh, is located. And it, as I say, now the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers have been saying since 2012, the thing's done, the new thing's done, man, like the airport. <laughs> don't get me. Don't I? I got me started on the air, the new airport, but it's done. The the whole new system that's going to protect New Orleans. There's still a crane over there. Did they just forget it? Did they leave, or is it really not done? Anyway, hello. Uh, I I am Harry Sher. Welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the ever more persistent news of the war. Won't you? Minnesota could lose its beloved state buried in coming decades if humans don't do something about climate change and prevent the common loon from shifting north. Minnesota state bird, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know it. The common loon, black and white bird whose haunting cries define Minnesota as much as, oh, this guy, don't you know? is among 55 species likely to disappear from the state for the summer by 2080 if the world does nothing to cut greenhouse gas emissions, according to a new report by the National Audubon Society. Well, sure, we got to say goodbye to the little moon, Tony. Deadline Geneva, Switzerland. That country's glaciers have lost a tenth of their volume. I said volume in the past five years alone. How do they do it? Volume. This is a, a melting rate unmatched during observations stretching back more than a century. Measurements on 20 Swiss glaciers have shown that melt rates this year, that's this one we're living in right now, have reached record levels, according to an annual study on the state of the glaciers published by the Cryospheric Commission at the Swiss Academy of Sciences. Now, that's a real academy, not like, <laughs> not like the one I'm, ones I'm a member of. The study released amid growing Global alarm over climate change found that intense heat waves over the summer in Switzerland had dashed hopes that an exceptionally snow-filled winter would limit the glacier melt this year. Snow cover on the glaciers was, uh, during April and May, between 20 and 40 percent higher than usual. But During two weeks of immense heat at the end of June and again in j late July, the volume of snow and ice melting on Swiss glaciers, Swiss glaciers, I said, was equivalent to the country's total annual consumption of drinking water. They drank a glacier. Cuckoo clocks, chocolate, and drinking glaciers, ladies and gentlemen. I believe that was Orson Welles, Orson Welles and the Third Man. September was the warmest ever recorded in North America, and the rest of the planet tied a record for the hottest September ever, according to a global climate report released by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Speaking of NOAA, did you know this? Nearly a week before that administration publicly backed 
President Trump's drawing of Alabama as a potential location for a, a hurricane over the over the advice of its own scientists a top NOAA official warned the staff against contradicting the president in a nationwide directive to National Weather Service personnel within hours after Trump provided that map. Staff was told only stick with official National Hurricane Center forecasts if questions arise from some national-level media social media posts which hit the news this afternoon. They were also told not to provide any opinion. But back to uh, the warm. The new Tel Aviv University study finds that the highly synchronized, iconic spawning events of certain reef-building corals in the Gulf of Eilat, Aqaba, Red Sea have completely changed and lost their vital synchrony. I know the feeling. Dramatically reducing chances of successful fertilization. Breakdown in coral spawning synchronies led to a dearth of new recruits and stagnant aging populations creating circumstances for extinction. Coral spawning, often described as the greatest orgy in the world, now they tell me, is one of the greatest examples of synchronized phenomena in nature, explained Professor Yossi Loya, researcher on the project. Once a year, thousands of corals along hundreds of kilometers of a coral reef release their eggs and sperm simultaneously, in, uh, oh, e- release their eggs and sperm simultaneously into the open water for where fertilization will later take place. Since both the eggs and the sperm of corals can only persist a few hours in the water, the timing of this event is critical. Bad news for corals. Doesn't sound like that much fun, though. The Paris Agreement requires nations to collectively limit global warming to 2 degrees centigrade by 2100 and to try to pursue limiting the increase even further to one and a half. New study by Imperial College London shows that carbon taxes, the currently favored system for reaching this target, will not be enough to avoid serious climate change. They instead suggest, I'll be, I'll be with you in a moment, they instead suggest that alongside carbon taxes, which put a price on emissions, there also need to be incentives for strategies that remove CO2 from the atmosphere. Here, I'll, I'll drink some right now. Here you go. That's my share. News of the war, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. A few years back, the um, then-president of the United States, George H.W. Bush, this is a few years back, um, was making a public appearance, I believe in New England, and uh, reporters, after he had left the lectern, not the podium, the lectern, uh, found a, a note that he had left there. It was a note that he carried apparently written by a member of his staff, and the note only said these words, quote, message, I care, unquote. Things have uh, gotten a lot more up-to-date than that since then, as you will hear next in News from Outside the Bubble. Let's go down under. I mean to Australia. Prime Minister Scott Morrison's government has paid consultants for advice on how to empathize with drought-stricken communities across three Australian states. Official revealed during Senate Budget Committee hearings this week that the Department of Infrastructure's Inland Rail Project had contracted consultants to advise 
how best to show unhappy landowners that the government cares. In contrast to the unfunded empathy the Prime Minister railed against when declining to increase payments earlier this year for people whose land was going to be taken by this rail project, this funded empathy comes with a taxpayer price tag of $190,000, but it's Australian dollars. The infrastructure officials confirmed consultants Future Eye were part of a social license strategy to help government empathize with landowners along the controversial rail line being built from Melbourne to Brisbane. Who would want it? No, sorry. Senior Inland Rail Project Officer Dr. Garth Taylor acknowledged such a strategy was unusual. He explained Future Eye measured community sentiment and advised on how to win over critics. An opposition parliamentarian asked how it had helped. Well, three key areas come to mind, Taylor said. One is around empathy, around getting the right tone of voice to deal with landowners along the way. We start with getting the tone of voice right and getting the narrative right, and that leads to empathy. I think along the way with the landowners we've been dealing with, there has been an appreciation that there has been a more empathic approach taken since this initiative. The Labour parliamentarian asked, is it common for the government to have to engage consultants to help it develop empathy? Answer, I think it's common to take advice along the way where you find that you need to take advice, was the reply. Future Eyes' original contract was for 80000 but it expanded to more than double. Another member of the government said, there are other things as part of the strategy that have gone to our communications and the way we approach stakeholders. Those other things have also been captured. <laughs> this is a government speak. But the uh, questioner persisted, asking the agriculture minister, how many other consultancies have been awarded in this department to help the government develop empathy? The uh, agriculture minister tried to laugh off the question. I find the department incredibly empathetic when we are dealing with a raft of stakeholders, particularly in the drought space. The language just keeps getting better. But not in this case, though, hey, was the question. To suggest that the department is having to take multiple research projects to help them develop empathy is quite ridiculous, said the agriculture minister. And the response from the questioner was, oh, just this one. You can get $190,000 Australian for teaching members of the government how to display empathy, ladies and gentlemen. Something we learn when we check out news from outside the bottle. Bubble. Bubble, duddle, bubble. It is a copy. I, I don't I don't know if it, in copywriting it, we spelled it right. The copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now. A house is a very, very, very smart house. Oh. You're going to be wondering about how smart you want your house to be when you hear this today. Best Buy, big retail merchant here in the United States, big stores. It's going to switch off the smart portion of its smart home gadgets this week, rendering them just dumb stuff. This is according to the UK tech website the register. Folks who bought these gizmos can apply for some money back in the form of a gift card. A full refund ain't happening. 
so they say. How is all this? As the, as the Insignia Connect platform will be discontinued. Oh, it already has. This was last Wednesday. This is the date of something else at the Wheelturn Theater. This process will determine your eligibility for compensation. Best Buy stated on its webpage, explaining why you have to fill out a lot of forms to get compensated for the fact that your smart stuff is now dumb. It's smart power plugs, in-wall light switches, security cameras, and a freezer. A smart freezer. When they were Wi-Fi connected, they could be remote controlled via a smartphone app. They, can, they could also be directed by uh, Alexa or Google Assistant. Alexa, turn off Google Assistant. However, when the line has its back-end systems, pardon the expression, shut down for good, which has happened, and the phone app's withdrawn, the gear is now degrading to non-smart stuff. The camera will be completely useless and the f footage inaccessible from the apps. And the smart plug with metering will work with Apple's home app, but the other plugs will just be plugs. Smart can go dumb just like that. Who knew? Oh, you knew. Samsung has announced that Netflix will no longer be supported on some of its older smart TVs. You, you get uh, too soon old and too late smart. Apparently not in this case. Starting next month, the Netflix app will no longer work on some 2010 and 2011 models due to technical limitations. Some older Roku streaming sticks, ouch, will also no longer support Netflix starting in December. As a, Samsung was notified by Netflix as of the 1st of December, the app will no longer be supported on se selected 2010 and 2011 smart TV models, said Samsung. Only the selected ones, only the really, really choice ones get turned off. Uh, the editor of uh, Tech Review website, Tech Advisor, says consumers should check whether any of the other devices they own can be used to access Netflix. It's partly the price of being an early adopter, he told the BBC. Babe, don't you know it? You know what I call early adopters? Beta testers. He added that people who want to keep accessing streaming services on their existing smart TV could plug in a streaming stick. I think he means into their TV, but... Uh, from Mashable.com, also a uh, tech-oriented website, on the morning after Halloween, they got an email from Ring's Public Relations Department, Ring, the uh, video doorbell that's owned by Amazon. Quote, where were you at 6 p.m. last night? If you were trick-or-treating, you were part of the millions of people and out ringing doorbells this Halloween. It then shared some fun facts, like which cities captured the most footage and how many more moments were captured on Ring cameras this year than last year. It also shared videos from Ring users featuring masked and unmasked children and adults. Some were funny moments of pranks and cuteness. Other featured misbehavior like pumpkin theft. Interesting that Ring decided to use video captured on Halloween as a PR stunt to show that Ring is always watching. Mashable asked Ring whether the people featured in the videos gave their consent to be used in a publicity stunt. Ring did not immediately respond. As in, ring, ring, 
Ring. Using video for PR purposes did get Ring in trouble before. After it used video captured on Ring devices in an ad, a BuzzFeed report criticized the practice. Amazon responded with a defense from its terms and conditions. At least somebody at Amazon read them. The videos featured in those ads were shared, most likely to the Neighbors app. When you share content, you grant Amazon a blanket license to use any and all footage captured on Ring cameras for whatever. It's a perpetual right, any purpose it chooses. The, uh, the whole purpose of all of these enterprises, ladies and gentlemen, becomes clearer and clearer. More data, more data, we need more data, come on. More data, more data, huh? Get some data for me, more data, more data, more data. We need more, more. And uh, from the smart world category, hospitals that have been hit by a data breach or ransomware attack, because they're all connected up with the Internet, they can expect to see an increase in the death rate among heart patients in the following months or years because of the efforts taken to fix the holes, according to a new study quoted by Krebs on security, security blog. Health industry experts say the findings should prompt a larger review of how security, or the lack thereof, may be impacting patient outcomes. Researchers at Vanderbilt took the... Uh, HHS list of healthcare data breaches drilled down on data about patient mortality rates at more than 3,000 Medicare certified hospitals, about 10% of which had experienced a data breach. After data breaches, as many as 36 additional deaths per 10,000 heart attacks occurred annually at the hundreds of hospitals examined. For care centers that experienced the breach, it took an additional 2.7 minutes for suspected heart attack patients to receive an, electro an electrocardiogram. Breach remediation efforts were associated with deterioration in timeliness of care and patient outcomes. Remediation activity may introduce changes that delay, complicate, or disrupt health IT and patient care processes. All because they got to connect the machines to the Internet to make it a really smart world.
This is the show. Yeah, who would have guessed? Ladies and gentlemen, we know about the birds and the bees. Now, how about the fish? Neonicotinoid pesticide use may have caused the abrupt, abrupt collapse, I say, of two commercial fisheries on Lake Shinji in Japan. About, uh, oh, 1993, according to a new study. Just, just coming around to it, I guess. While the negative impacts of the world's most widely used insecticide on pollinators are well known, these results highlight new and potential indirect effects on other organisms, including vertebrates. I got one of those. Using more than two decades of data on lake chemistry, biology, and fishery yields, these uh, researchers track the impact of neonicotinoids throughout the aquatic food chain, according to the American Association for the Science, Science Magazine, from zooplankton to the commercially harvested species of smelt, and eel. Eel smelled it. Yamamoro and uh, Masumi Yamamoro, that is, and his uh, team revealed that the very first application of neonicotinoid pesticides in 1993 coincided with an 83% decrease in average springtime zooplankton biomass, which was shortly followed by a complete collapse of the fisheries of the species that feed on them. The results show that precipitous decline could not be explained by other confounding factors such as nutrient depletion or changes in salinity or oxygen. They argue that nationwide decreases in fishery yields in other Japan lakes during this time were likely also due to food web disruption from pesticide use. Okay, then. Not just the birds and the bees. The zooplankton and the fishes. The little fishes. But now... News from our friend the Adam. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Save, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, save, too safe to meet. Save, save, too safe to meet. Well, the lead of this story is that international experts of the Western European Regulators Association. Sounds exciting already, I know. Uh, our meeting in uh, Germany, in Berlin, as a matter of fact, to, uh, to debate the regulatory aspects of nuclear power plant dismantling. Yes, now they got to figure out how to keep that from going bluey. But here's, here's the lead they buried way deep in the story. Uh, they point out that there are 25 nuclear power reactors designated for de decommissioning in Germany, which have to d be dismantled. But no, here, down here, way down at the bottom, while Germany has agreed on an end date for nuclear power, it still grapples with finding a final repository for the radioactive waste that has accumulated during the plant's lifetime. Well, why did, didn't they have... The government has initiated a series of public consultation events after a multi-stakeholder commission proposed a new search starting with a blank map and aiming to find a suitable site by 2031. I think they're going to need an empathy consultant. Me, Germany will have to store around 28,100 cubic meters of high-level nuclear waste by 2080 for up to several million years. But they're working on it. They'll figure out how to store it for several million years by 2031. Well, let's uh, let's get to the president. 
Uh, he's, you know, now, now that he and his uh, defenders have been criticizing the House process for four weeks for being secretive because they were taking depositions, now they're criticizing it for being public hearings because there'll be a circus. You know, I think they don't like the thing at all, and I'm getting that impression. Um, the <laughs> president did take time this week to have a, a meeting with some uh, evangelicals in the White House. Some, I bet some praying happened. Uh, chief among them, Paula White. I don't know if you've heard of her. I hadn't. She is uh, the the current avatar of the prosperity gospel, which uh, I'm sure Jesus would be proud to know. It says that uh, God wants you to make money. And if you've made money, that shows you're blessed. This goes, of course, it goes way back, but I, I think in the in the United States, the first guy really to come uh, out out front with this was Reverend Ike. I don't know if any of you remember Reverend Ike, uh, but he uh, used to say, "Don't wait for pie pie in the sky. By and by, get yours right here on top. Uh, get yours right here right now with ice cream on top." Uh, but Paula White, as I say, uh, a big, big mega preacher, televangelist, mega televangelist. There's 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 a compound introductory word, um, was at the White House praying, or at least hanging, <laughs> with President Trump. Later in the week, he got more serious about the whole impeachment thing. Gordon Sunland, his uh, donor, gave a million dollars, and totally coincidentally, Trump appointed him uh, EU ambassador. Uh, Sunland had altered, updated, fixed his testimony to the uh, House Intelligence Committee he had originally said there was no quid pro quo. Then he uh, fixed it at the beginning of this week, saying, well, there was. Yeah, there actually was. And uh, President Trump fixed his assessment of Gordon Sunland in response. He had said um, a few weeks ago that he was a great guy. This week he said he didn't know him at all. Little Stormy was a handful In spite of all the hype I paid a load of chump change No way was she my type Now when anybody asks I don't care if I upset her but this I can tell you I never even met her Kelly was a chief of staff like I needed one of those I never liked his manner creeped out by his clothes now he's talking trash 
I probably should sue him. And here's the unfair thing. the mayor of my old hometown when I helped at 9-11 I didn't see him around he offered help with the hoax I said okay let him he's not my real lawyer Don't think I ever met him. Weird Mike Pence, I never liked. Paula White just wants to pray. They come in for photo ops, then I send them on their way. Complaints about my little sins get directed to them. But Jesus Christ, I swear to God. with everyone if like me you're the Don from beauty queens to Ukraine goons there's a flash then they're gone they always want a piece of me a genius would never let them so don't bother asking who they are, I'll swear, I never met them. Big events, you can view her. 
sure she's a fine person Too bad I never knew her And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. Well, the story starts with uh, a disaster in London more than two years ago when an, a, a, an apartment tower that was used to, uh, as social housing, is what they call a housing project in Britain, was consumed by flames one night. They're having an investigation into it. Turns out the cladding, which was used to pretty up the building so that uh, higher class people in the nearby neighborhood had something nicer to look to look at. That cladding was not fireproof and it accelerated the, uh, the flames going up the building. People in the building were told by the fire brigade at, at a certain point to uh, stay put because according to a fire brigade official this week, it was too catastrophic and chaotic in the hallways, in the stairwells. No lights, among other things. Smoke, toxic smoke. All that is the background to this appearance by the leader of the Conservative Party in the House, in the Parliament, House of Commons. Sir Jacob, or not sir, Jacob Rees-Mogg. The more one's read over the weekend about the report and about the chances of people surviving, if you just ignore what you're told and leave, you are so much safer. And uh, I, I think if either of us were in a fire, whatever the fire brigade said, we would leave the burning building. It just seems the common sense thing to do. He since apologized, saying he meant no disrespect to the people who died. Now, a fellow member of parliament of the same party apologized after suggesting that he would have survived the tragedy because he's, quote, more clever than the victims. Andrew Bridgen defended Rees-Mogg as an extremely compassionate, intelligent human being. After those comments drew criticism, he issued an apology of his own on Twitter. I realized what I said was wrong and caused a great deal of distress and offense. It was not my intention to do so, and I do not want to add in any way to the pain that this tragic event has caused. I apologize unreservedly. Leaving aside the question of after all the work the Brits have done to clean up the air, why they'd want to resmog. Christian comedian and YouTuber John Christ, that's what I said, is apologizing after being accused of sexual misconduct by multiple women. Five women whose names were replaced with pseudonyms by Charisma News came forward with accusations about Christ. The outlet said Christ has exploited his Christian reputation and platform to harass, manipulate, and exploit young women over the last seven years. Might be the best thing to do it. No, allegations include but are not limited to individually sexting multiple women during the same time period, initiating sexual relationships with married women and women in committed relationships, offering show tickets in exchange for sexual favors, and calling these women late at night while drunk. Christ 
apologized for the hurt and pain he's caused various women, admitting he has treated relationships with women far too casually, in some cases even recklessly. While I'm not guilty of everything I've been accused of, he says, I confess to being guilty of this. I've treated relationships with women far too casually. My behavior has been destructive and sinful. I've sinned against God, against women, and the people I love. I've violated, violated my own Christian beliefs. I've hurt many people in the process. That's a very painful place to be hurt. I'm sorry for the hurt and pain I've caused these women and will continue to seek their forgiveness. I've also hurt the name of Jesus and have sought his forgiveness. That's right. Christ apologizes to Christ. He sought professional treatment to help with his addiction struggles. So we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be laughing at the Christian comedian. He continues to seek healing and freedom. His remaining tour dates for this year have been canceled. And I bet he's sorry about that. Cleveland Brown safety Jermaine Whitehead was cut from the team after posting a series of threatening tweets last week that the Browns called totally unacceptable and highly inappropriate. He posted a series of profane tweets directed at fans who were criticizing his performance. In one, he threatened to kill the person. His Twitter account was suspended before he left the locker room. Whitehead apologized on Instagram for his performance on the field. He did not apologize for his Twitter comments. Well, you got to make choices in life. A 17-year-old member of the mega-popular esports group's FaZe Clan was issued a lifetime ban from Fortnite after he uploaded YouTube videos of himself cheating in solo rounds and on playground mode. Jarvis Cotry uploaded a tear-filled apology that became the number two video on YouTube gaming, earning uh, two million views plus in less than 24 hours, more than most of his normal game-playing videos. He used Aimbot software, a hack that led to his ban. A representative of the game company that makes Fortnite says it has a zero-tolerance policy for those who use cheating software. In his apology video, Country said, All I was thinking about whilst I was making those videos was just how entertaining and, like, interesting these videos would be for you guys to watch. It didn't even cross my mind to think I could be banned for life on Fortnite from those videos. This is my first time I've ever done anything like this, and of course I've never done this in a competitive game mode at all. I was completely oblivious to what could happen to me, like what the consequences were. Obviously, this was a huge mistake, and it's completely wrong on my end. People who commented on his apology video were divided. Some criticized the monetization of the video, a common gripe towards YouTubers, some of whom have profited from apology videos. Yes, you can monetize your sorrow. JetBlue apologized after one of its employees at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport dressed up as a homeless person from the Caribbean for Halloween. Homeless need help trying to get back home to Puerto Rico or Cuba, said her sign. JetBlue had uh, Derek Dombrowski, manager of corporate communications, apologize on behalf of the company. One crew member chose a costume that was clearly insensitive, not in line with our costume policy. Jet View Blue has a costume policy, ladies and gentlemen. Can we give Halloween back to the children now? He apologized to anyone who was offended. Now, maybe he could, you could fly John Brosky down to consult on empathy. He'd probably do it for less. UNESCO, the UN Cultural Agency, apologized to a French sculptor after a misunderstanding led to the artist's nude sculpture 
being uh, dressed in underwear. French sculptor Stéphane Simon said he was shocked to discover his sculptures displayed in Paris as part of a UNESCO European Heritage Days event had been dressed in underwear. You know the French. Ah, the French. Yeah, that's the ones. His exhibition involved classical Greek-style sculptures posed as though they were snapping selfies. He said the incident left him feeling humiliated. A UNESCO spokesman said this was due to an unfortunate misunderstanding. Our entire work and mandate is in favor of freedom of creation. Except we don't like to see the dangly parts. Didn't, didn't say that. A franchise holder of walk-ons in Covington, Louisiana, has been fired after posting a racially charged rant on Facebook about some Halloween trick-or-treaters. We built our company's foundation on core values of inclusion and equality. We found any actions or statements to that contrary. To the contrary, unacceptable as a result of recent events surrounding an offensive social media post by Walk-On's franchisee. The enterprise is terminating its franchise relationship with him, effective immediately. And they apologized. CVS, the big pharmaceutical chain, is apologizing for denying a 20-year-old Puerto Rican student cold medicine to a store in Indiana because employees did not believe his driver's license was a valid form of identification. He's a junior at Purdue, but he's from... Puerto Rico, and they didn't know that Puerto Rico was part of the United States. Well, it's a pharmacy. How are they? Dayline Brooklyn, New York, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has unblocked a former New York politician on Twitter and apologized to him. He had uh, filed a suit after she blocked him on Twitter. People, people, can't we all just get along? And multiple employees have been fired from a Buffalo Wild Wings restaurant in Naperville, Illinois, after some customers said their group was asked to move to, move to another table because of the color of their skin. Buffalo Wild Wings has apologized. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. It is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Yeah, it's instant start, isn't it? Item of nuke news, Lithuania's president says a nuclear power plant that's due to start operating soon in Belarus, right next door, poses a huge threat to the safety and security of countries in the region due to insufficient security standards by the Belarusians. Just, just that. Insufficient safety standards. But, you know, Belarusians. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's edition of Le Show. The program returns next week at the same time on these same radio stations and on your audio device of choice whenever the hell you want it. And it would be just like Belarus having sufficient safety standards if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already thank you very much? Uh Uh-huh.
tip of the show. Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Garrett Pittman here at WWN New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Whoa, Thanksgiving's coming up. Imagine the whole family dressed in those. All at harryshare.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. Thanks everybody who showed up at the Will Turn in LA. You know who you are. If you don't, don't ask me. Next time we'll check IDs. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. Song from the Crescent City.